0: In the 21st century
1: To Moving Iron Podcast, Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing in Morton, Illinois. Chip, how you doing?
0: Hey, doing real well. I haven't talked to you in a while, Casey. It's been a little bit,
1: man. How things been?
0: Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. Fall is here. We went from uh, summer to fall, and uh, real quickly, it was, yeah. you know, 92 to uh, like uh, 52 for a high. So, yeah. I love it. I love fall. It's here. Fall is one of my favorite times of the year as well.
1: Plenty of stuff going on, man. Speaking of fall, let's talk about the the crop progress report uh, and harvest reports and stuff like that that have been coming out here late. And they are basically at all-time lows. I think every report I've seen show that there are significant uh, amount of uh, machines not running right now in the field. And what's being cut is uh, just slow and easy. Not so much because of crop or field conditions, but maybe just overall maturity
0: of the crop. Yeah, we have a little bit of everything out there, and as you mentioned, one of the slowest harvest progress um, paces in history. Corn and beans both, obviously, you know, the latest planted crop in history, so things are going to mature slower. Um, as I mentioned, we've got a nice batch of cold weather here. Several, um, you know, hard frosts now in the upper Midwest. Um, some immature crops that so that's probably going to, you know, zap a little bit. Probably took some some top end yield off, but uh, more importantly. You know, when you have corn that's, uh, you know, immature and, and hasn't quite black layered or just black layered, it slows the dry down process. So it's it's a lot of challenges out there for, for farmers right now. We had that snowstorm a week ago in the upper Midwest. Um, there looks like there's another couple of systems moving through here in the next 10 days or two weeks. Uh, could be kind of rain, snow, depending on where you're at. So it has been uh, not an ideal start to harvest. We're here, Pat, you know, in the second half of October already. And uh, this thing is uh, getting slower and slower. So I think that's one thing that's helped support the markets a little bit is it's a late uh, harvest. And in a late harvest, you aren't adding bushels uh, to this thing. You know, you're just taking it away. You, from number one, um, you know, the, the crops that are mature on, on the corn side, if you have to stop for a few days due to rain delay, sun pops back out, it dries down a little more. Um, You know, you're leaving yield kind of that phantom yield loss uh, out there. Um, You know, obviously snowy, windy, rainy conditions, Uh, beans that, you know, take on moisture with rain and then dry back out. You're subject to, uh, you know, having the pods pop open and and dropping beans and and leaving yield in the field. So I think in the market's mind, the crop is slightly shrinking. It's not growing at this point. The later harvest gets uh, the more that's going to be uh, an issue. So that is definitely one supportive factor that we've seen the last uh, 10 days here.
1: Yeah. That, that is one thing that I want to talk to you about as well is well, here we have this. You know, while we've been talking about this over this entire planting season and all the way through the growing season, um, the USDA has really been on this, you know, we're going to have the exact same prop we've had last year. You know, they're, they're, everyone's kind of throwing that flag around. With all the delays and with all the prevent plant and everything else that we saw happening, um, several outside um, companies have come to the table and said, you know, I've heard 155, I've heard 159, I've heard 162. Um, What's your feel right now for what what kind of some of those outside analysts are saying? Like, what's your feel from what you've been reading, what you've been hearing that that the final crop number might be?
0: Yeah, that's going to be debated for a long, long time, maybe years to come, quite honestly. So here's the problem. Um, you know, in the back of my mind, you, you continue to hope that the USDA kind of gets this thing figured out. Uh, the October crop report, there's, they're looking at a, a fair amount of data. And you've got crops that are mature enough in some areas in the south had already been harvested. They've got a lot of good data out there. And they went up two tenths of a bushel, right? And that was a head scratcher here is here is the problem and they only have two more cracks at it right right they they adjust production potentially in the november report here in about two and a half weeks they don't do anything other than uh supply and demand so they would adjust demand potentially in the december report and then you've got the final january report so i only have two more cracks at this to get this right um my brain just like everybody else's says thinks they, there's only one way to go, and that's lower in corn yields. It's just inconceivable to me that we can be within eight bushels of a year ago with the type of year, spring, the whole growing season, and now the fall that we're starting to have. There have been a couple times in the past that you've seen big adjustments lower on either the November or the January crop report. right? But I, I think <clears throat> that we really have to start Worrying about um, the fact that the USDA may not lower this, and they may on that January report, they may not go significantly lower on harvested acreage, um, in spite of what everybody thinks should be a big cut on either planted or and or harvested acreage. So you know they only have two more cracks at this. We've seen a nice rally, a dollar plus rally in beans. We've seen I, I don't know fifty cents basically in corn from the lows. Um, in our mind, you have to kind of protect this thing because if they don't, you can't put all your eggs in one basket thinking that the USDA is going to lower um, yield and or acreage dramatically. I think that they should, but that doesn't mean that they will. And if you're out here um, you know, with not much grain sold, this is a perfect spot for some sort of protective measures to lock some stuff in. We very definitely have a demand issue out there, especially in corn with or without a China deal. Um, We have demand problems in corn and plenty of of world uh, competitive supplies out there. So, I mean, that's what we're trying to refocus uh, our clients. This is not uh, as high levels. Maybe you would want to price some things. Uh, There's some option strategies out there with puts. Uh, There's minimum price type contracts. There's all kinds of ways to help protect yourself Um, you know, we could be heroes. You could hold it all out to January and say, man, this thing's, there's only one way to go and they're going to cut yields dramatically and they're going to cut acreage dramatically. And you could be a hero, but boy, if they don't, if this is the crop size and it's 168 and even if they cut a million, million and a half corn acres out of this in January, you know, that's not a $5 number. And, um, you know, you get South America growing without a problem we have got some issues in this thing. So um, it's a great question. Everybody's going to be debating that, but I'm just starting to take the other side. We only have, you know, if this is back in June, you're like, they've got the whole season to figure this out. You know, now you're sitting, they only have two more cracks at it and their track record here with the acreage situation. And it, you got to scratch your head and say, boy, what if they don't adjust things lower?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of the, <clears throat> the biggest fear that I've had right now. As I look at what's going on, that there's this optimism in the marketplace, that oh, they're gonna, we're gonna be down the 150 ish somewhere, one high 150s, low 160s, and that's going to be a a 10 or 15 uh, bushels per acre drop off, and that's just going to send everything going crazy. And you know, to your point. Mm-mm what the USDA's have done here the last uh last few crop reports you know i'm really looking forward to what happens in the november crop report just like you said i mean there could that could be a huge adjustment time frame where they're making that because they did that back in uh on the september one right where they made that big adjustment in crop uh in in a, uh, yeah that
0: was the september crop the stocks report they uh, yeah they made that yeah. big
1: adjustment, yeah and so it kind of maybe tells me that they're maybe going through some some corrections that they're making but I mean, you got Senator Grassley out there talking about how there needs to be, you know, more or less uh, investigation and what's going on in the USDA and how they report and stuff. So I mean, there's all this political fodder going on right now that, with uh, being an election year and what have you. I mean, there's just plenty of of that crap going on, but it's going to be a fun ride no matter what happens. uh, There's going to be plenty of volatility in the marketplace, which
0: opens up a lot of opportunities to make some money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and we preach it all the time, right? You, you've you got to have a plan and there are ways and strategies to kind of let you have your cake and eat it too. I mean, there is too much money at risk to bet it all that the USDA is going to get this thing right. Um, yeah, a little more confidence, uh, than, than I have in them. You know, you, you mentioned Senator Grassley. Sure. There's all kinds of, uh, anger and frustration at the USDA. But, you know, more importantly, they've really screwed up this renewable fuels thing. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate. And that's just another, you know, tiny little chink in the armor of corn demand. And it just doesn't look like that's getting, getting better, you know? And, um, so I'm, I'm a little bit fearful. You're out there. We're kind of keeping an eye on the 2020 crop, You're you're over four bucks. I think you're bouncing around about four ten ish on the D's twenty corn crop, and uh, up around nine eighty ish on the uh, November twenty beans. You gotta you gotta keep that uh, in the back of your mind, you know, because if it is a one sixty eight corn yield, one sixty seven, at this point, I I could see them dropping two or three bushels, uh, maybe a million or two in in uh, acres on corn. That would probably be about the max, and that would help us. That would probably give us a rally out into late winter, early spring. But, uh, you know, if they don't, we got, we got big issues out there. And, you know, if we do have a 168, 167, even a 166 crop with the conditions we had, we're likely going to plant a million and a half, two million more corn acres next year. We ever get this uh, ship going straight with, you know, the, the wind at our backs and start to finish good weather, we're going to raise 180 plus bushel national average yield. And then we've got some real problems with uh, big, big carryouts. So no. you have to be in defense mode in, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's talk about soybeans here for a minute. You can't talk
1: about soybeans without talking about China. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so Trump was putting out all those tweets about how you need to buy more land to get bigger tractors and all this. And basically right now, China was supposed to come to the table and buy a bunch of bunch of uh, stuff from from the U.S. again, you know, but they haven't they haven't done that yet. And right now, it looks like I'm reading an article here from Pro Farmer where they had, uh, um, China had bought f- a bunch of Brazilian beans, which they've been doing for the past yep. month and a half, anyway. But they bought another four hundred and eighty thousand metric tons of soybeans on Monday, since Monday, I guess, and. Um, that's a, that's a fair amount of beans to be buying uh, when, they sh- when they're supposed to be buying it from us. But um, I guess what's your reaction to the soybean market right now? It's kind of like that silent sleeper. Corn is really taking that front stage look to uh, everything that's going on around them. Eh? And uh, you know soybeans have kind of taken that back step usually when they're the ones that's kind of leading the, leading the charge on the markets. But right now soybeans have fallen off. What's your, what's your thoughts on the soybean market?
0: Well, you know, kind of similar to corn, right? I mean, I think that uh, based on some of these bean yields we're hearing, um, there's some bad ones, but it, it just seems like 55 to 65 is pretty common. You get out in this part of the, of the world and, you know, that's, uh, it, call it eight bushels on the low side to as much as 15 to 20 bushels on the high side below a year ago. So I think if there's any argument to be made uh, in cutting yields further, it would be on the beans. Again, yeah. they only have two yeah. cracks at it. So what's the confidence that they are going to get this figured out in beans? China has picked up their pace in buying U.S. beans there. They bought a fair yeah. amount of beans um, you know, over the last three or four weeks. Uh, I think they were in there again this morning. Was a pr- I think 58 million bushels of beans um, uh, sold on the export sales report. So they are in there big big pork number this morning so they are there here's the problem with that whole deal you know it's been 18 months now or going just just shy of 18 months i believe through this whole tariff trade war thing uh it's on again it's off again remember we've heard this story before right it's going to be the biggest uh you know we're not gonna be able to produce uh, enough and the problem with those problem with those comments are it raises the bar so high oh yeah there's only one way to go, right? You're not going to jump over that bar. You're not likely going to have to buy more land and buy more tractors. And it sounds good in a press conference and on a, on a tweet and a 12-second you know, news clip. But the reality is um, it sets the bar too high. And so, and also, I think that there's a, a chance, you know, that's not on paper yet. The, the, the ink isn't on the paper yet. And I think there's a fair chance that this thing falls apart too, and then we've got real problems. Yeah. Because if it does fall apart, it's probably going to last until after the election. Oh yeah, I, um, I, I and that's a long Chinese,
1: time. I got to think the Chinese are are. Uh they're not, not in a big rush to do anything until after the election comes and what, see what happens from there. I just, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that they're going to be like, Oh, we got to hurry up and get something done because, you know, well
0: it kind of plays in their hands, right? Maybe like, they need some beans right now. They definitely need some pork. Uh, I believe this morning, uh, was a, a day delayed because of Columbus day. I believe this is the largest pork export sales number ever. Um, massive amount of pork they took. Right. So, Plays right into their hands, right? Because they're going to demand that we uh, take away or at least lower some tariffs in, in Goodwill. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that th- th- this current administration has that in their mind, right? Um, wow. So I still think there's a chance this thing could fall apart. Yeah. And, and again, it goes just back to you, you got to play some defense in here. You know, we've uh, mm-hmm. we've had a dollar plus rally in beans, fifty cents in corn. Think back to how you felt four weeks ago. Uh, it was pretty bleak out there. It's a lot better now. You know, you got sixty bushel beans at sixty bucks an acre. Just got put back in your pocket in four weeks. Um, gotta look at gotta look at playing defense in here, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and that's that's to your point. I mean, that's the other thing that the media that kills me about about the the, the non-ag media that we, that reports on this stuff. This is a typical time of year when China is going to start coming and buying soybeans from us, anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a typical time, right? I mean, same with hogs. Typical time of the year they're going to be buying hogs from. I mean, now, granted, they don't buy that much, but they bought an incredible amount. But from now through this till spring, and this is a pretty typical time for them. Exactly
0: seasonally. Yeah, you know, it's South not, America get you know they're depleted in their supplies. They're planting in the field. They've their big export push is over, and now it comes to us. Um, we're cheaper, obviously, because of the the tariff situation. Yeah, yeah. It just um, it it kind of gets bypassed uh, by people, and 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 it is easy to look over, right? Because you're all excited about, boy, we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna be able to produce all this stuff that they're gonna buy. Well, we'll we'll right. see.
1: Yeah. So hog market, we talked about that kind of here intermittently. Hit and miss. Um, big news with the with the export report that came out. Uh, but that African swine fever is just the, uh, just get the kicks on given. that's um, over into the Philippines now, all the way through basically Southeast Asia and over into the oceanic countries. Um, it's getting to be a bigger problem than what, than what we even started with, uh, when China first reported it, uh, what, 18 months ago, two years ago, something like that. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is going there, but the, but the hog market is, is really slow to react to that news.
0: Talk about the hog market a little bit and what you see happening. It, it has been and it's a little frustrating here's the issue M- much like the grains we have essentially between two and four percent a year expanded the hog herd for like years straight several years we have a lot of uh, capacity to produce hogs in this country and we are and we're efficient and we're the best at the world at it um but the problem is we have a massive supply of, of pork so we're coming right at the end of what's normally the weakest cash period uh, for hogs and it has been it has been disastrously um, weak cash hog prices uh, so we have this glut of supply to get through and exports have been okay and China's been buying but it's a spread issue right you look out into the summer months next summer you know you're over 90 um, 90 bucks on hogs out there so I think recent high in like July hogs been 93, 94 range, uh, that's historically pretty high with uh, all-time highs. Uh, I don't remember, I'll get skewered for this, but somewhere around 115, 120 all-time highs um, You know, in years past. So historically, we're pretty high out there. And again, I think if you're a hog producer, you, you've got to be a little defensive out there, uh, put some sort of a strategy in to protect that. But that's been the problem. we got to get through this huge supply glut which plays right into China's hands, right? If they're taking that right now, yeah, they're not stupid. Um, they're the best traders in the world. Right. Uh, they know they have the biggest appetite physically. They need these products with soybeans, soybean oil, pork, uh, beef, you name it. They have a big appetite. They're not stupid. They're the most astute traders in the world. This plays right into their hand. They're picking up pork at the cheapest seasonal price um, that – you can. So, I mean, it plays right into their hands. It's good business, you know, record pork sales this week, uh, all time record. Maybe they're going to be in there for more likely they are, but, um, you know, we've got a big supply to give them. So hopefully they are there for the long haul.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, they're again, they're buying stuff seasonally right now. And it's not, and they're buying big, big chunks of pork because they absolutely need it. I'm just reading an article here on, on Agwa, uh, on a a pro farmer that they're talking about uh, how the, uh, uh, the Chinese pork production is down 17% from a year ago. So that's, uh, that's quite a bit considering what they've been down previous year before that. I mean, so that's, that's uh, an incredible. Is
0: that year on year or month? I think that might be months, right? Because uh,
1: the first nine months of 2019, China produced 31.81 million, million metric tons of pork, a 17.2% decline from the same period a year ago.
0: Yeah, I saw a stat earlier, uh, either late last week or earlier this week, that uh, their their month to month fluctuations are going down double digits. So yeah, there's a massive problem over there. Yeah, um, but you know, we'll right. we'll see if that ends up being a long term deal or a a one shot type of a of a thing. I think the next three or four weeks um, will will tell the story on that. I have a feeling if we won't give, um, you know, in the way of lowering some tariffs as a, as a goodwill to this, this thing's gonna, gonna fall apart quicker than it, uh, than it got here. Yep. But we'll see. So
1: cattle market has done, and has had a fairly nice rebound since the Tyson fire and that whole debacle. And, you know, all the USDA investigations with how that all fell apart and with trader, with, uh, Packers and what have you, um, I guess, What's your thoughts on cattle, on the cattle market right now? And is that something that can sustain that rally or is there some, is there getting to be some technical pressure you're going to start seeing here?
0: little of both, <clears throat> little of both. I think some of it again, uh, has been seasonal and structural. So we've, um, we had that plant fire, uh, you know, big uncertainty, big washout, the funds get out of everything. They get net short. Uh, I think biggest short position ever for the funds, um, at the lows, we had a lot of hedged cattle in a time where there's big supplies and and we're kind of past that. So the plus you had a little bit of federal pressure on the Packers, right? Saying, right. you know, hey boys, we know that this fire was real and and all this, but you know, you're making ungodly amounts of money on every animal you kill. You know, maybe you want to give a little bit. So I I think some of that was behind it, but more importantly. It's a seasonal type thing. We're coming into the time frame now where your, your supplies are shrinking um, seasonally. As you go into winter, we've had that snowstorm. You start talking about more uh, bad weather into winter, and, and you can see some upside. With that being said, though, we've had a, about a $16 rally straight up off those lows. And, and people, uh, myself included, are, are quick to forget, right? it literally felt like the world was ending five weeks ago when we we're on the lows in the cattle market. And in a lot of ways it was, because if we kept going um, you know, you were going to see a lot of feedlots um, being put on the auction block. It was a bad, bad deal bad
1: deal. Yeah.
0: And now it feels better, right? This is a lot like corn and beans. So uh, could there be some upside? Absolutely. There could be another six, eight, $10 upside. But boy, um, you got to kind of take this and say, what did that feel like five weeks ago at the lows? We've had a $16 rally straight up on a chart. Forget the fundamentals, tight supplies, plant fires, demand. If you just look at a chart. December cattle uh, are at an area that's going to give us some resistance. Eventually, we could get through there. But uh, these deferreds are, are even uh, you know better, the February, the April. And I think you got to be starting to look at, um, you know, these levels as an opportunity to take some risk off the table in some way, even if it's just buy a put, you know, spend three bucks on a put. You still have your top side open, but boy, you're you're one more plant fire, uh, you know, doesn't even have to be a fire, some sort of a mechanical issue. Not like we've got the uh, most updated you know state-of-the-art brand new plants out there they're old they got age on them and they got problems and, and sometimes they gotta take downtime.
1: yeah okay all right one last thing <clears throat> we'll close it down here let's talk about the export report that's coming out today so um this these export reports especially this time of the year have a big swing on what's happening in the market right now and <clears throat> looks like there's a Plenty of optimism out there uh, for what, what the traders are, are uh, expecting to see in this report today. Talk about what your expectations are and what you see happening.
0: Yeah, so we did have the export sales report out. <clears throat> um, uh, probably a couple of the highlights. Pretty good bean number, I think about 58 million. I believe China was in there, no surprise there. Uh, the wheat number, a little bit uh, disappointing. The corn number, pretty disappointing. It was only 10 million bushels of corn that's disappointing that underscores the demand issue that we have in corn mm-hmm. uh, sorghum was pretty good for for sorghum <clears throat> what I didn't dig into it yet that could have been China could have been unknown uh, you know again if there's one thing uh, China needs um, you know sorghum is is on the top of that list uh, most likely and um, you know I think on the grain side it was just so so I think it was probably helpful on beans wheat and corn probably a little bit disappointing and we've already talked about the pork side, you know, that was a record amount of pork, um, sales for one week, massive amount to China. Um, they bought a big chunk of uh, for this year and also like 58,000 tons for next year for the 2020 delivery. Um, that should get uh, a nice jolt under the, the hog market today. If this doesn't, uh, result in sharply higher to limit up in, in hogs, then um then we've got too big of a supply. So this is gonna be an important day for the hog market technically and see how we close with this big export sales number. Uh, if we can't be sharply higher, uh we've got some structural problems in this thing and uh, you know you got to take that uh for what it's worth. So I think the close today is going to be really important in the hog market.
1: Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to see what happens there. One last thing, too, before we shut this down. On the wheat market, you know, there's looks like the uh, the Australian, um, uh, Australian National Bank has has uh, basically dropped the wheat crop from uh, their it projected 18 to 19 million metric tons down to 15.5 million metric tons. That's a pretty big swing, you know, anywhere from three and a half to, to three million metric tons. That's quite a bit of wheat. What effect is that going to have on the overall wheat market right now? As we look at the issues that we've had with the crop we've gotten, and the issues we're having just getting stuff put back into the ground again?
0: Yeah, I think a couple things. The the wheat market is such a world market that uh, it's kind of like you know the rising tide lifts all ships. So, number one, you've got the Australian situation, and not a surprise there, right? They've struggled with dry weather for two plus years, Um, so they're shrinking there. The Russian domestic wheat. Prices have continued to rally. There's been some business done. Obviously, the United States hasn't been uh, benefiting from a lot of that business, um, but there has been some good business done in the world, and world wheat prices are just on a slow, steady grind higher. So again, the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, that has helped. Wheat you know, has been an absolute dog for three years, and the funds have been short for three years. And they're finally, if you look at a chart, the wheat market looks as good as anything right now, technically. So I think the funds are out of their shorts. They're starting to build a long position. Um, You have to look at that as opportunity. Historically, the last three or four years, they have had longs, but they haven't held those longs very long. So this rally is an opportunity, particularly on new crop, you know, 2020 prices to look at um, some hedging strategies, protect yourself you know, it's like anything, the world is, is better at producing crops now. And we have big supplies out there in spite of the, you know, some of these world crops, Australian crops shrinking, maybe the Russian crop, not as big as expected. Uh, you've got to really keep this in the back of your mind and, and say, Hey, it's been a long time since we've seen this nice of a rally in wheat. The funds are long. Technically it looks good. It's not going to last forever. Look at it. as an opportunity.
1: Right on. All right, Chip, plenty of stuff going on. If people have a plan or want to work on a plan and uh, have you review that, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: <clears throat> yeah, best ways just uh, contact me at our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, love to chat with you. If you're going back and forth in a tractor and you're bored and uh, you're, you're worried about the markets, you're worried about what you're going to do. Uh, give us a call. We'd love to chat with you. And, um, you know, kind of help you out with our philosophy and, and take a snapshot of what your plan is and some advice on how you might be able to improve that.
1: Right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and the Global Ag Network. You can also hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. And uh, Chip, till then, have a good one, and we'll uh,
0: catch you down the road, bud. All right. Have a great weekend. Moving Iron in the 21st Century.